And boom, we're back for another episode of AlphaCast. I'm Mike Winter, and I'm here, as always, with Dr. Bear Lando, coming to you live and direct from the beautiful state of Jefferson on the Smith River here. Uh, fall is in full effect. We have had about a week and a half of straight rain. It's been wonderful. I heard uh, Tahoe got 40 inches of snow, and uh, fire season is definitely over. Thanks for all the Oregon gifting that's been done out there, you guys. I think we did a pretty good job of bringing in the rain, bringing in the moisture, bringing life back to beautiful state of California, Oregon, the whole West. So very exciting to see that and hear about that. And uh, Mitch, the Oregon donor, uh, has joined our Telegram and he's been giving us updates on everything they've been doing. So uh, that's a really uh, exciting to see. And it's been lovely to uh, be back into this lush environment here we love so much. Um, if you are interested in joining us uh, in our online community, please check out uh, our Telegram at t.me forward slash Alpha Vedic, or you can join us on Discord at alphavedic.com forward slash Discord. And I uh, want to just give a shout out to all of our GoFundMe uh, folks who are helping us um, with our projects on the land. Uh, the first building is pretty much done. And we are moving on towards designing and putting up the second building, which will be a place where we can host workshops and classes and have you guys uh, come visit us and, and work on something like an Organite. Um, project or uh, whatever Bear's got, uh, uh, his, what, whatever he's got <laughs> planned for y'all. So um, Bear, I'm really excited about uh, the winter here and working on plans for that and uh, moving uh, into that in the spring. So you guys can find out more about that uh, on our GoFundMe, which would be just alphavedic.com uh, forward slash fundraiser, I believe it is. Or if you just go to alphavedic.com, you can find links for that. And thanks again, everybody who has um, uh, donated. You can go to the GoFundMe and see updates. I've been doing some updates so you can see the building um, that's been put up so far and where that's uh, kind of going right now. So thanks again, everybody. Uh, really excited about where this year has gone. And it's hard to believe we only have two more months left pretty much of 2021. Wild how fast it's flown by. So, um, but today is going to be one of probably the highlights of the year for me, and I'm sure for Bear as well. Uh, we are so blessed to have FPV Angel on and One Conscious on today uh, to dive deep into the real science of the construct of our reality. When Bear and I started this uh, podcast, you know, really our focus was on touching into the real sciences uh, and navigating through uh, the convolute, convolution of the materialism that seems to dominate the reality right now and really kind of breaking through that mold so that we can bring to our audience uh, real science and spirit science and, and um, navigate through all these wonderful topics like we have. And we really are honored to have FPV Angel and uh, One Conscious on today because this is exactly what they do in a very, very detailed manner on their YouTube and on their channels. Uh, and uh, hopefully we can really um, bring them to uh, our audience in a way that is impactful and easy to understand. So that is going to be our goal today. Uh, Bear, it looks like we might have lost FPV. Oh, here he is. He's back. Um, okay, so on this episode, FPV Angel lead us on a mind-bending decoding expedition to discern the true nature of our planetary home. 
The reviews are in and the rapidly growing AlphaCast community agrees that our eclectic venue of exceptional guests and in-house discussions continues to deliver content that is both expansive and relevant. And this week's episode is no exception. As I was saying, um, FPV Angel represents an international group of brilliant investigative researchers decoding the true reality of the realm that we call home. Through the most advanced research the world has ever seen, FPV Angel will present what they term the angelic particle matrix. Quote, we call our model the angelic particle matrix, which reveals the creator's glory. The decodings include scriptures, the Nazca lines, a book of Enoch, sacred geometry, geopetro hieroglyphs, colosseums, pyramids, angels, sun halos, lunar waves, quakes, and volcanoes. Uh, today, our discussion will highlight what the luminaries are and how they work, uh, the Walter Russell cosmogony, and the 400-year resets responsible for all the historical destruction via tsunamis and mud floods, etc., all findings are cross-referenced with real-world data, history, holy books, and prophecies. FPV Angel states, quote, We are not affiliated with any other group, community, entity, world map, or model as we work on our own map and model without any external influence, which we have been proving over time. Very, very awesome. Syncretism at its finest. Uh, Bear Lando, how are you today? I'm doing great. And uh, yeah, a little progress report here. We're um, finishing up the lab and, you know, my goal here is to make uh, uh, chemistry in uh, both qualitative and quantitative sense. Uh, uh, in other words, complete chemistry, what they used to call alchemy available at university uh, instead of the the purely um, mechanistic uh, oriented chemistry that I had to endure, uh, you know, when I went through my studies. So uh, we'll be doing that here. And uh, this episode, you know, every, every week, Mike, I, I say, geez, we can't, couldn't possibly have a better guest on. <laughs> and, and I think this uh, week we're going to raise the bar yet again. And uh, I'm, I'm just in awe of the work that uh, FPV angel and one conscious has done and, and other people that's, um, collude with them, you know, in their research. Uh, you know, early on in, in my career, uh, in my studies, it, it rapidly became apparent to me because I was in uh, medicine that you really can't find a cause within its effects. And uh, the proof of the pudding to me was when I deviated from emergency medicine, which was my, my first uh, avenue in medicine, um, you know, you really didn't understand how to make the, uh, the body work, uh, you know, our role, our consciousness in, in maintaining health. And, um, you know, and, and also that when you went into just general care, treating chronic degenerative disease in a sort that uh, people just kept getting sicker. So I jumped in uh, with both feet into alternative medicines. And uh, Oriental medicine, uh, Ayurvedic, and so forth, you know, really started putting some of the pieces together for me. And uh, in, in, in the proof in there in clinical medicine, it actually worked a lot better. But, you know, there's still a big gap because I was dependent on a lot of ancient teachings, uh, metaphors from different cultures, and, uh, you know, just things that it's hard for the Western mind to wrap their mind around, but, but still it was more of a practical endeavor and it worked. So I was okay. But my research then led me to, you know, people like uh, Steiner and, and Wilhelm Reich and, 
and sacred geometry and and but you know the pieces really fell together when i found walter russell and with you guys you know um uh, by the way i was uh, already a confirmed globe as we're told skeptic and i'll just kind of label myself that way uh when i found you guys what really piqued my interest was that you superimpose walter russell's work over uh your own model and uh, your own map, I guess we could call it. We'll let you explain it more. So that was amazing to me. And then as I really got into your work more and, and understood how you were, you know, not just uh, incorporating uh, Walter Russell's work, but uh, superimposing his schematics on your map. And I mean, absolutely mind blowing. And it's, it's still mind blowing to this day. So Thank you for being here, you guys. And, you know, I always had quite a time in my career just trying to convince people that their biological realm was a little bit different than what they had been taught. And it was a hard sell. Um, now, you guys are trying to teach the world the, uh, the nature of our entire realm. So good luck with that one. And, and of course, every truth that we think of is uh, actually an inversion and backwards. And, and as Walter Russell said, there's way more to unlearn, you know, uh, before you can possibly learn. So again, guys, uh, uh, welcome. And maybe a good, um, maybe a good place to start would be with your map because your map uh, would explain what you uh, can uh, call the, the angel particle matrix. Uh, you know, we can get into that and how it jives with, uh, you know, one of the major controversies going on these days, which is what shape is our planet? Uh, I'm not so much concerned with that as how it works because that's what gives us our solutions and tells us who we are within the matrix ourselves. So. Uh, which either one of you would like to jump in and maybe uh, give us an orientation as far as how you got started in this, how you created your map in the first place and what the map is. And thank you again, both of you. Welcome, uh, Bear. Hello, Bear, and hello, hello, Mike. I'll say hello first while we're here. <laughs> hello, one. Big boo. Right, uh, if, you want me, if you want me to start and uh, we'll take into why we use the map we use, yeah? We'll go straight into this. You get straight to it and right, let's screen share this. I didn't find the window it's given me. Right. Yeah, I got kicked before, so I think it lost a lot of my links, but start again with that. I'll try and it's when I share screen, see it uh, takes me to a... can you can you see that there, yeah? Um let me make ah. sure you can share. You should be able to share. Yeah, I think I'm sharing, but I can't tell if you're seeing it. Um, I'm not seeing it. Let's hmm. see. Ah, wait. Uh, yeah, there it is. Right. You should see it now, yeah? Yes. Right. There so you, you can see. So you can see two different versions of maps here, yeah? So when you come to Flat Earth, guys, what you're going to find is the map on the left is what's getting presented as the Flat Earth map. Now... Myself and One Conscience independently debunked that map ourselves before we even met. And this is what you're looking at there on the left is just one way that this map doesn't work. Because what they've done with this map on the left is basically rolled it up from the bottom of the globe to, to force the south around the outside. But that creates this problem here, as you can see with the Southern Star constellations. So people in Australia, people in South America and people in uh, South Africa 
they're all looking different directions, yet they're all seeing the same constellations. So that was a big no-no for me. It doesn't work. There's, there's lots of ways you can debunk this. But I call that the mainstream push map and model. I don't care what other people say. This is what we've, we can prove, and it's too easy to debunk. On the right is the map that we use, which is the Mercator map. It's the UTM, trans, the transverse Mercator map. Now, if you compare it to time and date, they use the exact same map from international dateline to international dateline. Their luminaries match perfectly what is taking place over that map and grid. And as you can see, you're looking south from Australia, South Africa, and South America, they would all see the same constellations, which is what happens in reality. So that that shows us this map is correct. That, you know, there's lots of ways we can prove this is correct. Now, this map on the right, the way this has been done, so the one on the left, the one on the right has been rolled out. Well, it's been opened, cut at the... I'll show you how they did it with the globe. What they've done is taken this map, which was obviously bigger at some point in time, cut it where the international date lines are, which is if you look down the sides of Antarctica, you can see the clear clear cut. Then they wrap it around the ball to create the globe. That causes the distortions you see in the north and south on the globe model. But this is what it looks like if you would open it back up to a true flat Earth map. Does that make sense so far? Yeah. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Right. So this now causes a problem of shipping and air, which is what World War II was all about it was about taking control of the perimeters of this map so you never get across these international date lines because beyond there is a beyond the national international date lines as you can see that this i'll just flick uh, to a different video a sec only if it'll stay with me if i just click the video on it to watch right can you can you see this video it's sharing here uh-huh the one with the compass on yep yeah great right so i made this video just to show you, I'll leave it muted, but we can talk through it. Now, this group of people here took a flight from Alaska going west to where they assumed was which was supposed to be northeast Russia. If it was a globe, it would be northeast Russia, wouldn't it? But look at the compass, guys. That is not northeast Russia. This, the compass would be like this for northeast Russia. Remember, north's over there. So they would be here, and the compass should be pointing in this direction. As you can see, it clearly isn't. So what it's meaning, they've gone beyond the international date line or thereabouts, and this land is not northeast Russia. This land is some land out in the west that they're claiming is Russia. Like we say, the international date line is fake. World War II was all about securing the perimeters with uh, Pearl Harbor, Japan, Korea, Vietnam, and what looks like it's going to be New Zealand and Australia, what's currently going on there. Now, this is also where Amelia Hirat tried to, she wanted to make a new world map, and she flew across here. If you can see me now, she flew across this flight and vanished over here somewhere. Now, you would not cross there and arrive in Hawaii, which was the planned route. You can't do it in the real world. You go east, you're going to keep going east. You would need a globe for it to wrap around and meet west. It doesn't exist. So she was probably taken out, so she didn't discover what was in that direction. Because remember, at the end of the day, we're here to prove what this world is and how it works. Now, what they've done with these date lines, they've hidden where the luminaries are coming from in the east and where they're going to in the west. That's why they created the international date lines. Now, what they're doing with aircraft, I'll show you on this map to begin. What they're doing with aircraft and shipping, the data has actually been flipped to appear to be crossing the international date lines and coming back in this side of the world and vice versa. On the real world, they can't do it. 
they are actually taking flights that come up over Greenland and come down in this direction here. We've caught them doing it on flight radar. I'll just, where's the, I'll just uh, find that it, this one, this one will do. Right. So if you can see here, this is where the dateline would be, right? Down the center of there. So that's Alaska, that's Northeast Russia. Now here's a flight where according to the flight, there was a lady pregnant on board and they had to make an emergency landing. So they flew there. Well, I think it was destined for them they actually landed in Alaska. Now Alaska's actually further away than this site, which doesn't make sense, does it? Why would they go up there when this would actually be closer? But remember, this date has been flipped to appear to be crossing this path. What's really happening is this. They have to do this to cross the map. That's why they're getting caught making emergency landings in Alaska. They have to go around this way, remember, because they have to fake they're going around the globe, and they can't. So they have to use hidden flight routes. Now, we found these flight routes previously in, if you look here, here's one. Now, see, here's the date line. You see this data here. This is where the data has been flipped. You can see it's been, it's been manipulated here. What's the avatar of this aircraft? And you'll see what I mean. Now, according to them, it's supposed to fly over there to get to that destination. Look where the aircraft's flying. I'll pause it there. Look, does that look like it's flying west to you? Hmm. The, the, the data is being manipulated to appear to be going west, but obviously this controller got sloppy and didn't change the avatar's direction because it's actually flying that way, which in reality is the only way it can fly. So if you, you know, if you're lucky, you will find this data in some of their recordings. Now, a year or so ago, there was a, one of the Flat Earth channels who does follow the, the round maps, the pizza maps. And he had a, an email off a controller that used to be, you know, he was a pilot and they became a controller. And over time, he realized that they were flipping the data of the aircraft. Now, he emailed this Flat Earth channel, but it didn't make sense to him what he was telling him because he's following the wrong map. So there was no need for it to, any data to be flipped. It didn't make sense to that channel because he's looking at the wrong map. If you go back to our map, uh, you can see why they would have to flip it, can't you? Because you can't fly east to get to west and vice versa. They're opposite sides of the world. If you go west, you're not going to arrive in the east. So, so you know. So with this map, and it might be helpful too, do you have a version of this map where we could see the topography of the continents a little easier? Because it is kind of distorted with the top layer over. Yeah. We, um, we, um, if you go in my live stream and just type in map one, map two, map three, or mm -hmm. map four, and it will give you a link to, to four maps that we use. You know, there's this one, there's a color one, which does have topography in various shades of color. So you can see altitude and things. Yeah, uh, these came off these, you know, these this that these maps came off series. He's called One Ippy on YouTube. Um, he was given us the maps to work with because you know we were over in. Um, we'll get to the grid first. Well, in fact, I'll tell you about the grid first because the grid's important and probably your viewers will be wondering what it is. Yeah, that'd be great. Yes, yeah, so we'll get and, into why you why what this grid is and what it, where it comes from. So anyway, and, back and in FPV. Uh, sorry to interrupt. Um, also, uh, if you could explain a term you threw out, which is luminaries. Uh, you know, at the beginning of your talk here. Yeah, yeah, sure. Luminaries. What we call luminaries. <laughs> <laughs> or we, we should we should probably go into that a bit deeper later. Really, what are luminaries? Later. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, and come back to what you said at the start. Anyway, I, I forgot to mention this at the start where, uh, when you were talking about where Walter Russell these overlays. Well, it made, it made sense to you, Bear, because 
Walter Russell's always maintained that this science was given to him by an angel. Now, I'm not sure how. <laughs> You'll have to work out how yourself, how he come across this science. I have no idea. But this science is really the science of the angels, which is the technology we've been revealing in our research. And that's why it overlays so easily into our model. Because now she, he's explaining the workings, but he's not, he's not showing you the cause. No, no one's showing you the cause. But what we know the cause, and we can put these effects back where they belong to, to the cause of these effects, which is these halos, which we'll get into as well. <laughs> but anyway, let's get back to this map. Right, this grid you can see on screen, um, I decoded it from the Nazca lines. Uh, when I started looking at the flat earth, I was already looking at things like this, you know, sacred geometry. What, 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 what does it all mean? What, you know, it's everywhere. No one seems to understand what it relates to. Everyone's got different theories on it. And, uh, looking forgive at me it. again, uh, FPV. Uh, uh, sorry, I don't like to interrupt, but uh, the, those lines are the lines in Peru. Is that correct? Yes, yes. The ones in Peru, South America, the Nazca lines. This is a grid you'll right. actually find there, and it's called the Sun Star of Peru. And there's actually two there, the Nazca Mandala and the Sun Star of Peru. Now, these are just two glyphs that you would find there. This is a class one geoglyph. It's very intelligently designed. Now, that is among... You'd have to look at my channel, you know. Uh, what I did was I went on Google Earth. I was line tracing all these, all the other Nazca lines, giving them different colors to show the different parts of connections of what I could recognize as mechanisms. I mean, what I found in the Nazca lines was there's lots of antennas. There's different types of antennas of great scale in those lines. So, I, I, you know, years ago, I realized what I was looking at. I thought, wow, I'm looking at blueprints of something big here. This is, this is the blueprints of something big. So then I started overlaying it on world maps. And like I said, we went through different types of maps until it started making sense, which was this map. Because on this map, we started, you know, be able to line things up. Like, if you can you see my mouse here? Yes. Right. See that dot there? Hold on, let's put this full screen. You see that dot there on that grid? Mm -hmm. do, you think, do you think it's a coincidence that's where they're drilling the coal of borehole? or this one here, where the German Intercontinental Deep Drilling Program is. And then you start looking at others, like this one here. It goes to Riyadh instead of Saudi Arabia. This one here, you know, Madagascar. There's a volcano below there, above there, sorry. So, you know, you start looking at this, you, you go for Mexico. These are where your tornadoes are coming from. So you start, it started making more and more sense as we started looking at it and... Uh, all the various avenues of research we went down to try and get to the bottom of, you know, what is this? How does it work? So this here, to us, is a very large blueprint of the construct within the known map. Like I said, look, it goes beyond the known world. And of course, this would hide where the luminaries come from and go to. Now, this is where scriptures come into it, because in scriptures, it mentions gates in the north, south, east and west. Is that a coincidence that the, this matches scriptural descriptions of where the gates are in a holy book? And not only that, portals mentioned in the book of Enoch, same areas. In fact, when you look at the book of Enoch, he mentions the, the angles that they are to one another. So the book of Enoch is referenced the, these exact same angles of the portals, which a portal's a gate, it decodes as a gate. So it's the same thing, it's a gate. So these are gates, and now gates you'd have to put into an electrical term. You know, we're looking at, this is a construct. We're looking at technology. My, my research years ago told me, you know, it, that was my original questions to myself. Okay, if mainstream are lying, they're not planets and rocks in space, what are they? You know, what's putting that in the sky and making it move across there? 
And that's where it starts getting very interesting, isn't it? Because that's when you start looking into scriptures. The further back they go, you more information you're able to uh, retrieve because in modern times, things have been tampered with to hide what this is and how it works. Because what we realized was your holy books, prophecies, glyphs, all these amazing places in the world that people are scratching their heads looking at, they're there to remind you what this world is and how it works. Because once we decoded this, we were able to start decoding different countries' sacred geometry. There's their books. You know, we haven't put all that out yet. It might upset some people. It probably will. But do you want the truth of what this world is? Or do you want fairy stories? You know, because what you're looking at, okay, yes, there's a creator. What they've done, what they've done to people, to mankind, they give you God, which your holy books tells you is light. So, with, so that's an electrical process, light. That's what's in this world, lots of light. And you'll find this in Walter Russell's work. There's, there's only light. So we've got light particles in this world that you can manipulate. And this, this construct is doing exactly that. It can manipulate this, this matter into coherent form and utilize it into, into electrical processes. So it's harvesting from the ether, basically, this construct, how it works. So you've got God, which is light, they give you to believe in, which gives them the chance to hide the creator and their glory, which is you look, what you're looking at right here. This was created by someone. We, we don't know who he was. You know, we don't have a clue who the creator is. We just know someone created this. This is, this is not man-made. It's too big. It's not our scale of technology. So we're looking at a very huge scale that someone's built this construct. We don't even know if it goes, you know, it might go beyond what we're seeing here. We have no idea what's beyond there. You know, all we can do is work with the data therein and look at scriptures and things to piece this together and see, well, yeah, they've cut the date lines that hides what's, on, what's in them directions. And the treaties in the north and south hide exploration for what's in those directions. So we're basically being boxed in from exploring what this construct really is and what's what's all around us. In, in this one, in the pizza, what you call the pizza map, which is the traditional flat earth map, right? Where you have a perimeter of Antarctica, which where the compass is supposed to be pointing south, right? And then north's pointing towards the middle where the North Pole would be in the middle of the map. With yeah. this map, where does Antarctica play again? Is it on the bottom there? This, yeah. this, is, Ant this is the Antarctic coastline here. So you can see Antarctica uh -huh. alone is a huge scale of land. Yes. It is a huge mass of land. And the largest mountain in the world is not Everest either. It's actually, the data shows it's a mountain over here somewhere in this region. And so with the idea with the, the kind of uh, traditional flat earth map is the idea that you can't pass the Antarctica barrier, right? But with this, it's like more like if you're trying to go east or west beyond the known realm as it is right now, there's some sort of uh, technological interference or something that stops people from doing that, not a landmass. I would Say not technological, I would say military, military presence around this region here would be needed and around this mm -hmm. region here would be needed. So, so literally you, I, something I think from can, the cabal or one world order, whatever you want to call it, that's aware of this, that is... Well, the, the location should tell you who's actually patrolling there. And they probably tell you they're looking for pirates. No, they're just making sure people don't cross this direction by accident because people crossing here are going to assume they're going to arrive over this side of the world and vice versa. I wonder if Jules Verne knew about this. <laughs> Got to go back and read those books. The book uh, circumvents the with the balloon, you know. Um, 
Yeah, that is that is fascinating. And and we know there's been lots of pilots that seem to be coming out and whistleblowing about a lot of the anomalies and what they're taught. I do have a moderator. One of my moderators, um, he does have a private uh, jet and his pilot flew him from Alaska to where he was thought was going to Russia. Now, this wasn't that long ago, and I don't think he fully realized our work, what it meant with the datelines, because it shocked him what happened. He flew across there. He was intercepted by U.S. warplanes war and, and ordered to fly east to get to Russia. Uh, this Interesting. Is okay. so, so they had to fly that way to get there. And then it happened again. They went again. They were intercepted again. U.S. warplanes ordered to fly that way or there will be uh, you know, some kind of action would be taken against them, obviously shot down or something. <laughs> and that's when he mentioned it to me. He said, what's going on over here? So, uh, you know, I, I thought he understood the model and obviously he hasn't listened to this part of it where you're not going east. <laughs> you're not flying that way to get east. So he's been intercepted twice and chased away from that area, which is basically what happened to that flight with them, with them people flying to where they thought was Russia. You know, they were scared. They were made, scared, they scared them and threatened them like they might go missing. They don't want you to go there because, you, you know, it's a bit of a giveaway. The map, the GPS might show you're, you're over here, but your compass is clearly showing you you're not. And sooner or later, people are going to figure that out. So they're trying to scare people off going in that direction, aren't they? Yeah. So, th does that make sense? Yeah. So that land there, that they said is Russia, is not Russia. It is new land that's got a name. I won't mention the name. Uh, I'll let you guys find it, if you like. It's on mm -hmm. It's on old maps. But it does exist over there on old maps, and it's not northeast Russia. So that's what they've done. You know, the east and west are full of, you know, really, we need full exploration in all directions. From our perspective, I would go east because New Zealand is the closest landmass to this location here, which is where we think these would be located. Maybe that's where all the dead, quote unquote, supposed dead celebrities are. Shambhala off the map. <laughs> yeah, well, well, yeah, you know, once they go across there or there, they're outside of the known world, don't they? So we need to get rocket packs or something and uh, start flying out that way. I, that's what's exciting right now. We're going to be having technology that's soon going to allow people to travel easier, it seems to. Uh, it's going to get interesting. And also the idea of remote viewing. Um, if people have become more aware of this, start remote viewing out that way. Because there, I know there are people like trying to remote view Antarctica and stuff. But if they're coming from a place of the traditional flat Earth or traditional globe model, I think that's blocking their ability to really see. Um, and it would be interesting to know if the military has technology to even block remote viewing. And maybe that's why they were foc so focused on it in the 80s and 70s. But as you can see, my mind is blowing up right now. <laughs> <laughs> so it really gives a different geopolitical spin on things as far as, uh, you know, what world wars and everything are really about as far as uh, competition for the control of this technology, perhaps. Well, it shows you really who's working together, doesn't it? You know, mm -hmm. we, the, the common denominators in this is a, a space agency or attachments to nuclear energy and particle accelerators. If they're involved in any or all three of those, they're working together. You know, we could have world wars, yet these people up in space allegedly all get on fine, <laughs> floating about in their, on their harnesses and whatnot. So, you know, you know it's, a, it's a charade and it's falling apart for them at every level, not just not just from our angle. You know, you look at the I mean, you've had, you guys have had lots of conversations of subjects, not even anything to do with this. And you can see it's, it's all falling apart for them. They're being exposed at every level, not just the science levels, not just what Flat Earth and our research is 
revealing, but you know, the legal system, it's actually illegal what they've done. The whole legal system is actually illegal. <laughs> you know, there's lots of avenues you can end up with going down there. But we, you know, what we do is we focus on this. This is the most important thing, I think, for humanity to realize. Where, where do we live? What is it? How does it work? So that's where we're at. You know, we're trying to put this together and show you how it works. Um, so, and, so and I think, I was just going to say, I think most important, just like Walter Russell explained, this is a thought-based universe. And if this is uh, what I believe uh, a, a giant toroidal field on a technological level, if you could think of it that way, maybe the firmament, firmament, um, firmament being part of that toroidal field, you know, creating the, the upper atmosphere, whatever we want to think about it. But then uh, our creative potential as far as our uh, thoughts having, uh, you know, real creative consequences. And I think that's what they really want to keep us from as far as yeah. how in, uh, having us have the ability to interface with this construct. Yeah, we know nothing about this place yet. You know, we're still learning. We're all learning. Everyone's learning. Some quicker than others, but it doesn't mm -hmm. matter, you know, because we've, you know, we've been explaining this for years, and it does. It, it is a big picture that's getting bigger and bigger all the time. The more we, you know, the, the more content we put out, the bigger that picture just got, or another piece just got added. And you know, like you say, you know, Walter Russell's science it fits in with this. You know, there's there's your, there's your equator there. You know, that, that's a very important thing. And then you you're north and south. You know, this is where you've seen is overlay Walter's mortar here. You know, this could be powered the same as Walter's mortar, but on this scale. Walter's mortar will work at any scale. That's why I thought, you know, does it derive from this? And we also decoded the same type mortar design in the pyramids. And I've seen Brian Foster show the same features in, an, in a building in somewhere in Peru. And I've recently noticed that the... Native Americans have got a very similar design in one of their paintings. So these designs, you know, they, they, they show you how to harness from the ether. That's what it is, you know, the Walter's mortar. He called it an optical mortar. And it uses the light spectrum. It, it manipulates the light spectrum into compressing and the compression and expansion cycles. And if you look at Walter's, some of Walter's work, he shows you one cycle of, one cycle of electricity, basically. <laughs> one high, one ball of electric he called it one unit, you know, and that's what it's doing. It's manipulating one unit and showing it here, and it'll bring it into, into view, and then it'll fade it away into oblivion again. You know, this is compression and expansion cycles. So that's always, you know, that's, this is what we're piecing together, because that, that there is, would be the heart of the machine, and the heart there would be right the center. This would be Mount well, Meadows. What's phenomenal about your work is, you know, Walter uh, really discussed in detail the, you know, how things work. Uh, in the natural order, but he really didn't get into the technology, which is what you guys are doing, which is, um, you know, why I'm so enthralled with what you're doing. So forgive me again, uh, you were on Mount Muru there. Yeah, that's it, Bear. You know, all these causes, everyone talks about the causes, but they can never give you the effects. You know, even Walter didn't tell you the effects, but when you look at the science, it works perfect with these halos. So he's, he's explained the science of the angels. He really is. So, you know, that's why it works for us. I recognized it as soon as I looked at it because uh, Santos Panacci, you know, I, was, I used to uh, have little chats with him a few years ago and he, he kept giving me tips to look at things. And when he mentioned uh, Walter Russell, I thought, okay, well, let's see what Walter's about. And as soon as I looked at the images, I could decode them just by looking at them. I don't need to read his, I haven't actually read his books. I haven't read any of his books. I've got them, but I've, I've been buying them because once the grid goes off, I want something good to read. <laughs> so I've got some of his books, but I haven't actually read them yet because I don't need to. I can explain what the image is telling you just by looking at it and where it fits into the 
the angel technologies and how they function. Well, so you got explain explain the mountain explain the mountain again. I'm not totally familiar with that in the middle. I'm really curious about that. Right, Mount Miru. You'll find it in uh, old mandalas and things like a center of the world on the mandala, and this would be Mount Miru, which also trans translates as uh, Atlantis. You know, that's probably what you've got the Atlantic Ocean name. It's, this is Atlantis. It would be there, and the closest landmass we can find to there is um, Ascension Islands, and so that's aptly named as well, isn't it? <laughs> so yeah, you know, that's that would be the direct center of this grid. People think it's uh, UK, you know, the GMT. It's not. It's actually there. And I've seen some US military information that places it roughly the same place as well. This, you know, they're saying it's here. They're not saying it's over there. It's it's over here. So, you know, that helps us line things up more. The more data we can find and fit into this, the the, the more accurate we can get it aligned. And you know, we think that we think it's around 96% accurate. This grid on a world scale now for for where it needs to be. And if you look carefully at this grid, what it's shown you in 3D is a six-tier pyramid. If you look at this in 3D, there's a, I've made a video panning around it in 3D, and there's a six-tier pyramid kind of stands out as it's revolving, and this is the flat top of it here. And these would be its corners. So what it's suggesting is that there's a six-tier pyramid of, of this scale below our known world with... The underworld, which mentions in every culture, has got an underworld mentioned, and all these creatures, beings, which to us translates as technologies and processes, is taking place right below our feet. So the whole underworld, the 144,000, as uh, some holy book would word it, would be 144,000 technologies placed below this grid. And they play a part in... Um, Waveguides, as in guiding luminaries across, uh, you know, the world chakras. We've done a decode on those in our last video, the world chakras. We've started, we'll do a, a regular one on each chakra now. But a decoded the Milky Way is actually a sine wave in 3D, and it's generating alternating current. So the, the Milky Way is churning our ether up and generating alternating current between day and night. And there's a definite switch detected at night when it changes from day to night. And it could be de 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 detected on solar panels. It starts to reverse the, the, the flow of current in the opposite direction. It basically flips the polarities on the panel. And it starts to, it starts to reverse the process. This is detectable at night. Now, a lot of people think that's a leak. It's not a leak. It's detectable. It is part of this. Part of how this works. It's a definite switch of, of polarities at day and night. Does how does that so how far? does that uh, relate to and this might be a good segue into the more cosmology of this map of uh, the kind of getting a, out and up into the sky and out towards the solar what whatever we call that above with the planetary luminary bodies and the stars but um how does that relate night with the moon um and then day with the sun how does that relate in your science here Right, the, the waveforms, the sun always rises at the same point in this waveform, so it's always rising at the same place, and you know, you place it in the Milky Way, it's always in the same location when you look at it on a, in a CGI program, it come, comes at you at the same location all the time in the Milky Way. So to me, that would be the one that's driving the sun's image across. So Because what you're looking at here, when I got a black box engineer called Jimbo to look at the, de the, the design, when I showed him what the sun was doing, because what we can see is, is what it's doing is it's pushing it across, it gets shut down and it gets returned back east and then it starts again. 
And the return east, it's got a sine wave pattern going back east. So it's basically following these waveforms going back east. Now that light to us is the light they're calling the ISS. And there's not just one light that returns east, there's many. So anything crossing west, especially wandering stars, or you know, their planets, this at some point have to get shut down, returned east, and then start again. Does that make sense so far? Now, mm -hmm. yeah, now trippy, trippy, trippy stuff, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, you've got to think of it as a technology. This is technology sending that image across the sky. That sun, you know, our sun is being projected east to west. It does have a physical presence, but it's in the what you would call the spirit world. It's the electrical part of electromagnetism that we're seeing. We're seeing a part of the bigger process. I'll show, in fact, I'll show you the bigger process. This. You see that? <clears throat> yeah. Right. This is a 3D model I made from the sun halo that people's been sending us from various parts of the world when it reveals itself. And this is the model we created, and this is what it's shown you. Now, I was, as you can see, our sun is just attached to something else. It's this something else that is doing the projecting. So what you're looking at is the actual technology that is projecting the sun's image. This is what's putting that sun's image across the sky, or taking it across the sky. Now, when I compared that kind of technology to what man is calling a particle accelerator, it's a perfect match. So what our research has revealed is what man's calling a particle accelerator is actually a technology that was already here. It is responsible for this and most of nature's processes. And they've stolen it, hidden it, stolen it, and renamed it as a particle accelerator. That's where the scatter beetle comes in. The scatter beetle represents this process. Now... Where was I going with that? Oh, <laughs> I shouldn't have stopped then, should I? But uh, yeah, you know, so this is this is the model we made, and this is what we're seeing in the sky. You know, so it's showing me is we're seeing part of a technological process in the sky, and that's why they can trail it back there. They're trying to hide it. They follow the sun across the map, spraying everywhere, trying to stop you seeing that halo, because that's and when the questions are going to start coming. Uh, um. At present time, uh, these halos are becoming more apparent in the sky. At least they seem that way to me. Is there a reason why that's happening right now? Yeah, we decoded that reason as well. Um, when we do our end times uh, revelations and prophecy series videos, um, we, we realized that we, they were seen, you know, they've been seen throughout history. At the end, they appear before they, what they would call the end times, what we call revelations. You know, when you, when you look at revelations, Revelations is just simply telling you the construct will reveal itself in the end times. And this is exactly what you're starting to see. And these people are trying to hide it so you can't see it. Because then the questions come, well, what is it? What's, what's that on it? What's, what's, what is our sun part of? That's not obviously millions of miles away. That's got to be local and close. Where's it coming from? You know, so you've got these questions going to start arising. And not, only, and not only that, you know, you look at this video here. This is another video by a guy called Eleven Lemko. This is in Newcastle, England. And you come out of his home, there's one here. Now, this is a stationary one. This isn't the sun's halo. This is a separate one. Because you'll see him look at the sun and say, wait a minute, this is not part of the sun's halo. What's this? So these exist everywhere above us as well. And they are what are responsible for what people are calling the lunar wave. So they're, all, they're always there. We just don't see them. But because 
the construct is now going into different changes for this reset that it's going to do. There's a 400-year reset. It does. Things start becoming more noticeable in the sky, such as this. So you're going to see more and more of things they don't want you to see. In your research with the construct, um, do does human consciousness have an effect on it? Or are we powerless? Oh, good question. <laughs> That's something I can't answer. I mean, I can see, and I'm, you know, I'm going to put, a, there is something I'm putting into our next video about this. I can see we are in sync with it. We are connected to it. But, you know, uh, what level of connection? I've no idea. You know, what, can we do anything with it? Is, are, we, are we supposed to be getting programmed by it? Is it supposed to give us information? Can we tap into it? I have no idea. You know, that's, that's I ask, my... Yeah, I ask because there's obviously a grand design here, and it seems like the grand design, when we when we look at the the ancient texts, and it's all about the, the, the love, right? Love and consciousness. And it seems like it's here as a benevolent design. So it would make sense to me that there would be an interaction once the whole point of us is to get higher and awake. And that's what the angels like. I listen to a lot of stuff with Archangel Michael, whether these are real readings or not, but it's all about, um, uh, you know, consciousness rising to the occasion right now. And when yeah. people hear end times, a lot of feeling of dread comes about. Um, that was another question I was going to have. What's your perspective on quote unquote end times? Is that just mean the cycles ending, right? And we have a new cycle starting and uh, just curious of what your thoughts are in terms of, of that, because I always try to bring the positive and uplifting <laughs> message on this channel and it can easily <laughs> get dark when we're talking about end times and um, a construct that's deciding our future. Yeah, yeah, I understand what you mean. Yeah, no worries. But yeah, I mean, you got to laugh. You know, we're we're lucky to be human. You got to have a sense of humor to get through this. You know, I'll find a bit of humor, some music, you'll get by fine. You enjoy yourself. You know? <laughs> well, you know <laughs> what? You know what's funny, FPV, and so I was thinking about last night because I was watching some comedy stuff last night. Um, uh, Norm Macdonald's one of my favorite comedians of all time, and he recently passed. So I was watching some old episodes of him, and I was thinking, I'm like, comedy, right? The notion of comedy when you think of like the higher angelic realms and or like going back to source is comedy there. And maybe that is one of the defining elements of being here and why we come here is to, to engage with comedy because comedy is the polarity. It's got a little bit of darkness. It's got the light. It's very human, right? It's, it's like very yeah. into our, into our consciousness is comedy. I don't know of any other animal that's telling jokes or enjoying comedy. <laughs> so there's something about the energetics of comedy uh, and why we appreciate it so much and why the Greeks had the comedies and the tragedies, right? That was like the story structure. I was kind of spinning off in this idea last night. So I agree, man, we got to laugh at it. We got to, uh, we got to embrace the comedy because that's what really makes us human. Yeah. You know, it's a serious subject. It's, it's both amazing and terrifying in the same sentence, what you're looking at, you know, that going back to the end times, you know, the end of it is the end of a cycle. This, this realm runs on cycles, and we've been able to trace this back. It happens every 400 years. And these people have been taking advantage of this cycle. You know, they can rewrite history after every reset because the changes that happen during this reset, to not just humans, but more species, there's changes happen. There's memory loss. There's all kinds of problems. You know, if you look at our end times, revelations and prophecy, 400 year reset, re, uh, 400 year reset videos, you, will, you, you look at some of the things that we found in history and in those videos and, you know, beings being changed 
uh, you know, into other types of being. You know, you've got someone standing there like a human, but they've got animal parts instead of arms. There's, all these changes have, have been depicted throughout history. And from what we can see, it's these resets that cause it. So, you know, everyone thinks they've got control of the faculties and everything. No, <laughs> this realm plays a bigger part in what's in you than you, than you than you could possibly imagine. And this construct actually explains beautifully the Tartaria co concept, because one of the things that's always challenged me with the reset, the mud flood and all that stuff is then how come um, in my family lineage, there's no historical, um, uh, you know, calculate uh, precedence of when that happened, supposedly a couple hundred years ago. But if we are in a construct that can change the entire framework of reality, then that would explain why history can be rewritten and books can be rewritten and the whole kind of uh, substrate of what we consider history can change on a dime. It can, yes. And it also explains the why. Why would they do it? Why would you lie about the shape of the world? Why would you lie about history? Why would you, why would you cook the holy books and try and change what the meanings are? Why would you convert technologies into human characters in a book? Why would you personify the creator's glory into people, which makes it very easy to hide what it's, te what it's teaching you? Because these books only exist to teach you what this world is and how it works. It's, not, it's nothing to do with worship. Reality is not a religion. Reality is just the truth. These books are there to tell you the truth, what this world is and how it works, and that it's got reset cycles that you need to be aware of. So it's basically and, a user's manual to the construct. That's what it should be. And these, and these books also describe in the same kind of metaphors exactly how the human body works, and it would instruct us precisely how to take care of it, what the cells of our body need. And when I look under a microscope, I'm it's no different than looking up at the nighttime sky. Um, and that old saying, as above, so below, I understand that that has different meaning yet again within this construct, because we're talking about perhaps the technology existing on the subplane that's projecting this in the first place. But it also means, I believe, that you know we are uh, resonant fractals of, uh, of the whole construct ourselves, which brings greater meaning to that old saying, you know, know yourself and you'll know the universe. So I think the answers to everything are right under our nose. And what I'm looking at your work there, you can apply directly to the body. And that's, in fact, um, you know, what I've endeavored to do for many years. Yes, you can bear because, you know, I've been looking at the same. I mean, I'm no medical doctor, but I can see the science we're using today looks quite primitive to what we could be using. But that's probably by design. You know, these people don't want us to, to have a long lifespan. They don't want you to be awake. They don't want you to be like, out there exploring and realizing what your world is. They want you to believe what they tell you. They're trying to program you. You know, there's nothing to, there's nothing to look out there. It's all been found. You have to be an astronaut on how to go and explore. No, you don't. What a load of rubbish. This world is, remains, this world still remains unexplored apart from them doing it in all directions. Yeah. And this makes sense why they're pushing the virtual reality so they can really trap, you know, consciousness into that kind of digital framework so that it will put people into exploring a fake simulacrum versus the real technological construct, which is right out our window. Yeah. <laughs> they'll give you anything but the truth, won't they? They'll even give you pieces of the truth, but they'll twist it somewhere. But yeah, and we could be, you know, what we know again. now, the, the human race could be so, so far better advanced and healthier than what we are today. But this is by design by the people that's hiding what this is. 
And it's about controlling the next 400 year cycle. If they can uh, kill off a lot of people and have the, 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 um, the survivors have amnesia. Yep. Which is uh, by, according to the dementia um, figures, which I think it's around 65% of the world's population will have dementia by 2050. <laughs> hmm. That's the 65% that's left mind. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't look good at the moment, does it? Well, um, the beautiful thing is we've got folks like you spreading the truth and getting this out there. And uh, technology, while it can be daunting, is also letting us connect right now. And uh, the Internet's done some amazing things to allow it's, you know, it's the it's the uh, polarity, right? You've got one side that's daunting and scary and the other side, which is freeing and, and amazing. So that's why I work in decentralization because I think that's extremely important moving forward that we can uh, access this technology without the controllers pulling the puppet strings. And maybe that's where we're moving to with this reset. And that's why they have the resets because there's a calcification of control by the dark forces. And then the system resets every 400 years to... Um, kind of give consciousness a chance again. Yeah, yeah. You know, to me, it, it could actually be part of the design to stop humans taking over it and doing what's taking place today, stealing it, hiding it, stealing it, reverse engineer it and line where you live, which is what we can see is taking place. Did you want to touch in on the angel versus angle thing? Because I know Bear has mentioned that in the past on our show. And I, Bear, do you think that's an important topic to kind of overlay? Because I think that obviously that's a huge part of what you guys are all about. I think it might be interesting for our, our audience to understand that. Bear, you're muted. Yeah, I think that's a, a, an extremely important topic because, of course, uh, those angles create the resonance, uh, you know, and the necessary geometry in order to play. You know, for instance, in the human body, we have certain inorganic elements that play on the uh, organic elements in the ethers or whatever you want to call it. And, and, and because of the resonant uh, geometry, it precipitates form and gives form all of its necessary characteristics. So, uh, yeah, I'd like to hear more uh, about what that would mean possibly when we blow it, blow it up on the grand scale with the angel particle matrix. Uh, sorry, Bear, what was the question again? <laughs> Probably more <laughs> of a statement than a question, right? So, okay, so let's talk about the uh, angulations. And, and I believe the Vatican at one time changed uh, the word angle to angels uh, to kind of obfuscate the, the real geometry and science involved. So uh, can you maybe speak on, um, you know, just as far as what we think of as constellations in the sky and their effect on us and within this whole construct? Yeah, sure. Right. Um, going back to going back to the angels, though, you know, you, um, I don't know if you've looked at our um, Operation Rainbow Warrior video, where we've now helped, mm -hmm. got people helping us to, you know, locate where the rainbows are, put them on, so we can put them on the map and make a database and show you where all these angels are. Because what you're going to find is, uh, you know, they're usually on top of it, well, below sacred sites, you know, like castles or forts or Celtic forts, uh, statues, obelisks, you know, you're going to find them under these locations, but they'd be marking town hall centers, places like that. They, you know, these, this technology is everywhere below us. We know that because every rainbow is one of their signatures. And that's where people can help us. They can look at Operation Rainbow Warrior, follow the instructions of putting the pinned comment, and start 
researching their local angels and looking at exactly how they will work around them. Now, we're in the best season at the moment here. We're getting a lot of rain, <laughs> which does help for rainbow hunting, doesn't it? So, you know, I've spotted five different ones myself quite quite close by. That's just looking out my the windows here. So, you know, I know they're there. I've time-lapsed them. They're just revolving in the same place over and over. Hmm. Now, now, that's where saints come in. To it, you know, they've called these churches Saint say Saint George or Saint Peter. What it's really telling you is the the, the halo below is what that that's what they've named it. You know, so there's a halo above, remember, and one below. The, the one below projects one into the sky, like we showed you before. So there's one below, which is the physical one, then there's the electromagnetic projection above it, which is what you've seen in that video clip before. Now, every one of these has got one above them when they're running, because these are running on cycles. You know, the, the time cycles when they switch on and off. You know, day come daylight, the world starts coming to life and all these start switching on and what uh, shepherding the, the luminaries across, basically. You know, if it's the sun going across, you'll have activations on the map going off, which one con I'll, I'll let one conscience go into those because that's more one's department than mine. So it's a good uh, chance for you to introduce one's work into this. So that's what's taking place. Really? You know, the, the, the luminaries are being escorted across, and we'll let one conscience come in and go into that if you like. Wonderful. We'd love to hear from one. Um, what was the question? I was talking to chat. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was just mentioning about the luminaries, how they kind of shepherded across, and how rainbows oh, yeah. are involved in the you know the shepherding walls taking them across and what they, the problems they cause below ground which is much more of your department quakes yeah so um i'll hand it over to you one all yours okay so you know what we noticed is um we watched the luminaries a lot and i started out with earth energy so we we put the earth energy into these luminaries moving across and we proved it one day because for a couple of weeks straight, I watched quakes every day, every day. And I mean, I did it longer than that, but every day I really paid attention to these earthquakes. And what we noticed is the quakes would hit in the exact same spot every day, right at the same time. And then it was, what it was doing was precedenting the sun entering into that area. And as the sun would leave that area, it was, um, it would quake again. It was, it was, you could tell that it was following the sun's movement. So that's when we started connecting that this earth energy is happening because of what's happening below. So these physical models are taking this energy and flowing it through this grid. We're seeing it above with the electromagnetics. And the earth is shaking. It's trembling because of what's happening. You know, all this energy moving across. So, you know, that goes into earthquakes that these things are, are very predictable. They happen over and over in the same spots. Um, you know, there is a gentleman that I learned from, but I think I've probably surpassed him in some ways where he predicts them. So they're predictable, but does science tell us that? No, they don't. Why? Because they want to put us in harm's way. You know, that can take us back to the, the end times or whatever. You know, they purposely have placed us in harm's way. 
because if there's cycles, they don't want us to survive when these resets happen, they will be safe and they will come back out and they'll lay and grab everything again, just like they have all the time. If you look back in history, the elite always take the land. They know exactly where to go to get it and they will destroy people and, and little villages to get it which is our wars, which we're still doing today. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, that's, you know, and, and as for volcanoes, you know, we've realized that those are the big compression spots. Um, they are like a waste system. So if you look at a particle accelerator, which is what the angels are, then there's a, a waste cycle also. So these volcanoes are pushing out all of these melted, heated elements from the earth while these processes are running. And, um, you know, I placed particle accelerators across the map and volcanoes fall on the edge of these, these areas. So that's how we realize that this is a waste system. It's also recycled in a new land because nothing is wasted in earth. So yeah, the earthquakes are just uh, these processes. That, that's why they're timed. They'll happen over and over and, in the same spots. And one, you know, there's uh, been some uh, uh, intense volcanic activity off the coast of Africa recently. And of course, there's speculation that uh, a lot of these earthquakes and volcanic uh, activity is having a little bit of uh, help from certain people that are trying to create destruction. Um, can you speak on that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, so they're they're messing with this earth energy, I think. Um, you know, the fracking that they do, they're digging down into these different areas. They have these underground labs, which I went into one of them in our last video, the one in Antarctica. And, you know, these things are massive. So they say they built these things, but I mean, my gosh, how? How did they build these underground labs? They're huge and they're really far down. And uh, when they say they can't even drill that far down, but yet they have these things placed eight, nine, ten miles down into the earth, some of them. You know, and I think that they are, they're manipulating, they're trying to manipulate these, you know, and, and what effect that'll have on our world, I don't know. But I am sure that it's intensifying activity and energy you know, as well as possibly changing certain frequencies of our world that may be affecting us. And that's why things have gotten so terrible with humans and our behavior and how we relate to each other. And, and a lot of people just don't care. They just don't care. And they're sick. And the sickness is unreal. You know, how many times back in the day did you hear about, you know, children having cancer and now we have entire hospitals dedicated to children having cancer and babies being born with heart defects for no reason. And that that's a personal one for me, but babies being born with heart problems, congestive heart failure and stuff like that to where they require surgery. You know how that's all started happening so much lately. And I know several babies that were born that way for what, for what reason, you know, there's no reason other than that I can think of the, 
the foods that we're being fed and the frequencies that they're putting through our earth. You know, these power grids are very harmful to us and our bodies. And, uh, yeah, I mean, they, and, they and run one, it. I, I speak a lot, you know, about my experience in medicine, just in my short medical career, which is 40 some odd years, uh, things that were once rare or even non-existence are now epidemic. And, um, you know, the, the reasons are right under our uh, face and they're, you know, contrived as, as far as uh, how these uh, changes are being manipulated against us. So, uh, sorry, go ahead. I just wanted to comment. No, that's okay. I agree. I agree. You know, and uh, I'm, I'm a firm believer that, you know, we are energy and vibration. So this stuff is going to affect us. It's going to affect our health. The power grid runs at what 60 around 60 Hertz that alone would allow disease and illness to grow, you know, and, and it allows our bodies to, to grow these things. So, you know, and then, somebody wrote in chat vaccines yes vaccines i mean i they're you know if you read the ingredients of those things that's very harmful to us they put mercury in it we know mercury poisons us and um you know i worked at a gmo factory and the conditions of of that were just un unbelievable and those are the foods that we consume and we may not even realize we're consuming them you know they did corn there so anything that has corn in it or a corn product and we eat it we are we are poisoning our body with everything that they've put into these foods but all that is a, a different rant i think so <laughs> um yeah, and, yeah you know walter walter russell describes how we're you know the, the natural cyclic uh, changes are actually jumping octaves. And I'm really convinced that uh, the octaves that are, you know, we're, you know, maybe naturally, um, I don't want to say evolving into, but ascending into uh, would greatly change our consciousness, but there's a little bit of responsibility there. And, and I think, you know, they're, they're doing two things simultaneously. They're trying to prevent us from, um, benefiting from the normal consciousness shift that would elevate our perspective. And at the same time, it's really changing the, the concept of time. So if they can seduce us into, um, into their own matrix, then those thought patterns are going to manifest that much quicker. And, and I think that's what the end times actually mean, you know, literally the end of the concept of time. So that can be a benefit for those of us that are ready for it, but it also, you know, means you better uh, get control of your internal processes, your thoughts and clean up any toxic emotions because you don't want those jumping into the matrix instantly. Absolutely. You know, the things that are in our body right now, and if these frequencies change, even on a natural cycle, even not having anything to do with man-made cycles um, or them tampering with it, then we don't know how our bodies are going to be affected by the things that we have put into our bodies when these frequencies change naturally, you know, and we can see things speeding up. We can see it in all the disasters in our world the flooding, you know, all this stuff has intensified over the last few years. And, um, you know, it's, it's all part of the cycle is what we're seeing, just like the mud floods, you know, things are, we're going to hit this grand solar minimum and, and things might freeze over. And then when that melts, we're going to have all these floods that is going to wipe out certain areas by a natural occurrence, but we've been placed in these areas 
you know, just like all these towns built by these massive dams, you know, what happens if that freezes and then melts and or the dams break and they wipe out entire towns? You know, we have been strategically placed where humans won't survive these events and and we haven't been educated to know these cycles to know that we shouldn't be living here just like in japan you know there's these ancient stones they're called tsunami stones and they actually tell the people of japan not to build their homes or villages below a certain point and yet they do because they aren't educated and they're thought oh this is just myth and this and that and then look what happens when a tsunami comes along it wipes out you know fukushima and entire towns and villages and people die because they weren't educated to believe these myths of the past that their ancestors tried to tell them don't build down here you know and then then we do anyway so we're just not educated that's the way they want it so one um here's another tangent for you but it was kind of opened the door with fukushima there what's the story on radiation is it a a lethal uh, ionizing uh, detrimental effect, or is it really not what we're told it is? Well, I think I'll let FPV talk about that one because he, um, you know, he saw a video that educated him and us on on radiation. So I'm going to let him take over on that that particular point. Yeah, and I didn't want to interrupt your flow there. It just uh, came to mind, you know, with what you mentioned. Well, no, that's important, though. Like, it's important that people know about radiation. So I'll let him discuss that point. You want to hear that now? Yeah. Yeah. About what causes uh, certain conditions, yeah? Yeah, and the guy that ate the radiation. Yeah. Yeah, Galen Windsor, he's probably the guy to look at. He shows you the nuclear hoax. This guy, you know, he worked in the industry from when it started and he commissioned and decommissioned the nuclear power plants. And he actually used to swim in the pool and handle his material by hand, even putting it in his pockets. He's even got a video of him putting plutonium on his tongue. This stuff is not as harmful as they're telling you. It's, it's all it is is an energy source. It's all about energy, this. They, you know, they, what they've done is store the energy markets when you look at what's really going on. It's, it's, you know, this reverse engineering takes over the of the whole energy market of the world. So, yeah, you know, this guy, he swam in there. So it's, in fact, one conscience herself swims in a lake near her that the water from a nuclear plant is pumped into. No one's ever seems to have problems. Isn't that yeah. right one? Now, here's, yeah. another, here's another thing that we've worked out. The human condition known as flu is not caused by what they're telling you. It is caused by this technology and its seasonal switching. You are actually being radiated. You've been radiated from below and above during the seasonal switching of these technologies. So it's a condition of living here. It's not something you can cure. It's a condition of living here, and we're perfectly adapted to defeating it. Maybe when you're a bit older, you might need a little help, a little bit more vitamins and this and that and the other. But to us, anyone with flu should be treated as someone that's got a little bit of mild radiation sickness. And the radiation is coming from the frequencies of these angel technologies. And uh, defaulting to Russell again, he would explain radiation as a um, uh, pressure differentials and that the high pressure, um, you know, fields of uh, so-called radioactive elements would then have a tendency to unravel um, elements that are of a lower pressure. And then that could possibly explain 
you know, uh, potential dangers in, in maybe mining uh, radiation and uh, bringing up too much of it, you know, in any one location or anything. So maybe it's a good idea within the technological construct, but not a good idea with what we're doing, or is that just all farce that they're doing that in the first place? Yeah, it seems, you know, what they're doing is um, basically scouring the world to where sites are and certain elements are created. Because once you know how these work and well, how they create the elements, because this is what they do, you know, they compress elements into matter. They're taking the ether and compressing it into uh, coherent matter. And, you know, this is where our elements are actually coming from. If people wonder where elements come from, they don't just appear from, well, actually, they do appear from thin air. But now you know the process of what's bringing it from thin air. You really, you know, you've got the cause. It is this technology that's compressing things. Uh, a good example of this compression is a tornado or a water spout. This is these halos compressing doing what they're doing. Now, a tornado and water spout, you're only seeing half the picture. The same with a rainbow. You're only seeing half of the rainbow at ground level. When you go above it, you'll see the full rainbow, and it'll show you where it is. It's exactly where you see it. So, you know, we, we can pinpoint where these are and uh, I've done an animation where you see the rainbow going around the halo because that's basically what's taking place. Every rainbow is in a halo below. So, you know, it's it's not nonsense that we're talking. It's stuff you can go outside and prove to yourself. You can go and record these rainbows and time-lapse them and you'll see they just revolve in the same location over and over. You'll see them switching on, switching off, you name it. It's all there taking place right before your very eyes. These create what we call nature. All the winds, the winds are just pressure waves from these halos. Spiraling pressure waves of electromagnetism is what wind really is. It's coming from these halos. And when you look in the sky, you'll see different layers of clouds going different directions. This is caused by halos at, di at different layers in the sky. Showing, that, showing you where their spiraling pressure waves are. If you, you just watch the clouds, you'll see the spirals emanating out from them. So, you know, the, the, the whole, what we're calling nature is created by them and manipulated by them right in, right in front of your eyes. And we take it for granted. And, you know, this is going to blow people's minds. You're going to get hair sticking up in the back of your mm -hmm. neck when you start realizing what you're looking at. <laughs> you know, what, what, what we're saying isn't bullshit. You can go out there and start looking at this yourself and observe it yourself and, Prove it to yourself. And same with these uh, these holy sites, these like, like churches and cathedrals, they're all location markers for parts of this technology exist. So they've been mapping it out using buildings and designs and things. You know, it's very, very sneakily how they did it. But before them, it was done before them, you know, before the Romans came, before we were invaded by Vikings and all the rest of it, the, the Celts were doing it. Everyone was mapping out where these were. And from what we can see, they knew how to harness this technology. They can, you know, they, they worked with electric. The, the pyramid decoder did, and there were 144,000 videos, shows us they perfectly understood electric. And the Pharaoh's pump system in there is what pumped the water in to create the water, Walter Russell type motor events of, you know, to harness the positive and negatives. So no, it's not much difference to Walter's motor, the pyramid. So you can see where Walter's design come from, can't you? Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's Wilhelm well, Wilhelm Reich also uh, went out and, and observed this, uh, that, and he uh, said there was entities, maybe that there were these angels that were controlling these weather effects in the clouds and everything, and then he was able to actually engage with them through his technology, which is interesting. And also photograph them with different infrared techniques. Yeah, and I've heard the pyramids are actually were um, 
were created to also be the library of, of information. And if you know how to access them, you can go in and you can access that information still that we might've lost at the burning of the Library of Alexandria, but it's encoded in those pyramids, all this ancient information. Yeah, well, you know, Mike, in the, in the field of biogeometry, um, it's a wealth of that kind of information as far as what those glyphs and, and uh, how they are technologies themselves. And we actually measure those, uh, use them, you know, as far as to harness different uh, geometries and waveforms from them and actually manipulate them to our benefit. So uh, there are some pretty advanced technologies coming uh, to the planet now that some of us are using. And, and FPV and, and one, you know, just as uh, I'll just throw this out there for the heck of it, I'm taking great interest in uh, your schematics and starting, I have some things just right on the tip of my tongue. <laughs> and uh, so I'm playing with these diagrams and everything with biogeometry. So, uh, I come up with anything interesting, which I think I already am, I'll, uh, I'll keep you posted for what it's worth. Oh, yeah, yeah, let us know. Yeah, we, like, we do like to look into everything. You know, we're not experts in any mm. field, but we're mm. jack of all trades in many. <laughs> we do look at many yeah. fields, scratch the surface here and there, and, you know, you, you like to find the truth there or you won't. The, the amount of rabbit holes we've opened is unbelievable. But we're trying to focus well, on the you know the important ones like now we can pinpoint rainbows down to being locations where these technologies are. Like that's there's we, a perfect example there on your screen, that spiral. You know, what's creating that spiral, guys? That spiral is one of the oldest glyphs you'll ever find. As far back as we can go, we find spirals, and that tells me that culture knew this how this technology what this technology is and how it works. Because that spiral belongs to these halos. That's where it comes from. And that's the golden ratio right there, which is the underlying precept of much of the sacred geometry and the classicism and everything that comes out of the ancients. It's all the uh, geometry of the construct, I guess you could say. Yeah, it is. You know, sacred geometry, we can decode. It's quite easy to decode once you know what you're looking at. You know, we're going to do lots of examples of that in the next videos. We're decoding different sites and showing you what it actually relates to. You know, now we, now we can decode. Uh, many sites we can you know we'll actually do it live if you want if you want we'll do a live decode and let people show you know show people how we do it i can insert this team anywhere in history in science in in any platform they'll come up with the goods they'll find you know this is bullshit and they'll find it and they'll come out and tell you the real story that's how good this team is at doing what we do that would be wonderful um, I don't even know how to put this into a question, but, um, you know, in the periodic table of elements, at least Walter's uh, spiral version of it, you know, he explains how everything is constantly in transition as, and as things change um, octaves and, you know, they, one element will literally uh, transit into a different element on the, on the periodic table. So uh, since you, uh, since I've seen that superimposed on some of your diagrams, um, again, I, I can't put this into a coherent question, but is there anything you can speak on uh, as far as what's going on there yeah, and certainly. how that relates probably actually, to the larger construct? I'm actually working on some for that now with the next video where, where we're going to the elements and, you know, the spiral. But, you know, mm -hmm. I'll tell you, it's a little sneak preview, well, not a preview because I haven't got it on this computer. It's the one at home. But, mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I'm showing that. I'm going to be showing that. And, you know, each spiral is a different octave. So you're going up in the octaves of that spiral gets narrower and narrower and making its cone. So every process of that spiral has got the, either side of it, say, it's got, it's creating elements or it's interacting with 
elements in the atmosphere and producing various new elements. You know, this is how basically how Walter's depicting how it works. And when you look at, you know, the halo, what it's doing, it's doing the same thing. It's creating elements as it's spiraling. So it's going to have positives, negatives, all the compression going on, all these different things are being compressed. And, and that's where your different types of elements are being, you know, um, created. You've got the soft compression at the start of it, or, or zero compression, say. So you go into gases and things. And then it starts compressing things more and more. So it gets to a fusion point, which is obviously taking, you know, it's taking place below us. Everything we see, we're, we're only seeing half the picture on the surface because the rest of it's going below ground, like your tornado and your water spout. It's, it's going to the, the physical one below. So, yeah. you know, this, the, the, so they, that's there is creating different types of elements in the atmosphere, that process alone. So, you know, this is taking place all over the world. So, you know, this is what's creating our atmosphere, our gaseous layers, all these kind of things are created by this technology. That makes a lot of sense. And that's why we can have transmutation of elements. And that's why uh, yes. the yeah. what the alchemists knew back in the day, as Walter Russell says, all motion is, is uh, curved, right? All motion uh, is curvature, which is in a spiral. And that yeah. explains like Victor Schauberger and what he, what he was able to see with water and what we talked about last week with our water guest. Um, and I know some people in the comments there, one person said that so we were talking about H2O. Well, there is no such thing as the, uh, the molecule of hydrogen, the molecule of oxygen. And there's some truth to that, right? That we're talking about the elements in a way that is much more fractal and wave, wave than what modern science wants us to think in terms of particles. Um, and so it's really important for us to wrap our minds around that because that empowers us to know that we can transmute reality through our consciousness because as Walter's as bear mentioned Walter Russell talks about this being a mind construct in the end so that's why I always come back to our influence of our consciousness on this construct itself and playing with that more and more through meditation breath work um, all these wonderful things we talked about in the show I think it's fun and we should be engaging with that and get off our phones and Netflix uh, and doing more of that because uh, that's where the real work needs to be happening right now. Yeah, there's a whole new world out that window and people don't see it yet. But hopefully, you know, with our research and guys yeah. like you sharing, sharing our research and expanding people's minds, they're going to see it and realize exactly where they live and how it works. Um, that's what, you know, this is what I'll be showing you, how it works. One's got some, a, little... a screen on, mm -hmm. uh, an image on screen here she wants to speak about, so I'll keep quiet a minute. Yeah, go, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just showing the chat because they were talking about ley lines, that these are the ley lines of the Earth. Um, I, d I did it on a wall map a while, uh, quite a while back, a few years ago, but I put the grid on it, and then I connected all the different power points of Earth, the chakras, the angels that, you know, we knew about, <clears throat> and the Earth energy follows these. It's quite complex. <laughs> Uh, that's, wow. was that's amazing showing. work <laughs> amazing that's awesome it took quite a while but yeah when you connect them all it it forms this grid and you know um different things will follow different paths like the earthquakes are on there and i put power stations and weather modification stations and the angels and volcanoes and um I, I think I put some crystal caves and, you know, all that stuff is important as far as the flow goes. But yeah, this is what the ley lines 
would look like on a grand scale. It, it reminds me of Walter's um, the crystal chart. <laughs> and I did this way before I even learned about Walter Russell. <laughs> Amazing. There you go. Speaking of Walter Russell, I love. I don't know if you guys can see my uh, screen, but uh, I love this book and the wave lies the secret of creation um, by uh, uh, our good buddy who was on the podcast. Uh, what was that? Uh, uh, yeah, Dr. Timothy Binder over a year and a half ago, maybe. But this guy's is a great uh, illustrative um, book about all of a lot of Walter's paintings and his charts that go beyond um, it's a good addendum to if the secret of light or excuse me, a universal one on that. So uh, I'm literally looking through this and um, seeing some of the charts you're pulling up FPV <laughs> as we speak. So there's a lot of synchronicity here, but um, yeah, this is really fun. Um, uh, one um, what's your theory on these? Like uh, there's a couple interesting videos out there in YouTube world about the ringing, like people hearing this, like, the bells and the in the in the atmosphere, and then also the booms, right? Um, you ever see those videos? I'm sure you guys are aware of yeah. that. Yeah, covered those. Yeah, the trumpets. Um, the trumpets, yes, like the that. angelic yeah. trumpets. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, to me, they sound like some something escaping from the underworld. You know, um, it sounds like stuff going on and these frequencies and stuff changing and, and kicking on and activating and people are hearing it reverberate through the sky. They can't tell where it's coming from, you know, and there's a lot of theories about, you know, aliens or this or that. But when I think of aliens, you know, I think of, of like the angels below in our earth. I don't think of them in outer space or nothing coming down but these sounds, these trumpets, to me, sound like something moving below that's reverberating into the sky. Because that's yeah. what would happen with a massive... Mm -hmm. I mean, you got to think some of these things are 17 miles wide if we think of the size of a CERN. And, and so that, that sound of something happening would be massive and we wouldn't... Um, be able to pinpoint where it's coming from because we live in one little tiny space and if that thing's 17 miles wide i mean there's towns that aren't even that big so we're talking about a, a very wide space yeah that, that this stuff would come out and people would hear it from town to town and in specific areas but i mean it would it would definitely cover a lot of span and people would hear it all over they would probably be i mean it's confusing and scary for them they just hear it out of nowhere. But yeah, that's what we call the trumpets. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like a harmonic uh, effect of something. Maybe it has to do with the octaves of reality. Maybe the angels are opening up the firmament. I mean, who knows? You could like really rattle your brain about that idea. And then with the booms too, and people feeling like these, you know, and there's like uh, the more conspiratorial channels talking about the alien battles going under the underground and all this stuff. Or, uh, and I'd love to talk a little bit about hollow earth theory and how you guys relate to hollow earth and, and the different maybe uh, levels of uh, going under the construct up and down. Uh, Santos Bonacci talks about the, like the seven hells, I believe. And, things like that and how the vortex you can go through the north pole you can go down through the middle of the of the if you're looking at it as a toroidal field 
going down through the middle and that's how you go to the lower planes and that's what the aliens come out of and they're like demons um there's lots of interesting uh ideas about that and what aliens are and all that but the booms are interesting too and um maybe these have to do with um what these earthquakes you were talking about one um i'm not sure i haven't correlated that but i haven't really uh, tried to correlate those two activities because those booms seem to be something different happening because they just happen out of nowhere and I haven't studied them enough to see a cycle on them, so I'm mm -hmm. not really educated on that as much as I could be. But, you know, the, there's so much to learn in this work that we just kind of, it goes quickly. <laughs> so my, sometimes my, I, don't, um, I don't spend enough. My perspective on them would probably be something taking place below. That's why people can't pinpoint where the noises come from. You see them looking all over the place, and it's probably coming from below and, you know, reverberating into the sky. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I agree. But sense. as for um, as for the hollow earth thing, like um, I think that that goes hand in hand with APM um, on the fact that I still don't think it's a globe and that we live inside the earth like that. But the layers of the below go hand in hand with the hollow earth. There's lots of stuff down there. And, you know, some of these things have been described in different scriptures very oddly, you know, very, and even scary to a point. So <laughs> I think that if Hollow Earth learned APM, maybe they would get a better understanding of what they're trying to describe and talk about, you know, mm. um, these creatures or angels or aliens or whatever you want to call them. And, and when you get lower down, you know, maybe the frequencies are even, um, lower or different and and that would be to me described more of a demonic uh energy you know just because frequencies will do weird things to us like um i don't know if you've ever seen like ghosts or ghost hunters are trying to de debunk ghosts or whatever so the emf fields will make us feel certain ways and they'll definitely affect us and and i'm not saying that I don't believe in ghosts personally, but I'm not saying that everything in the world is haunted either because these EMFs will definitely affect us and people have debunked ghosts or hauntings with these EMF fields, you know, and, and that's what we're talking about here is EMF fields just on a scale that we can't really imagine with our brains, you know, or wrap our minds around. Mm -hmm. So. You know, and there's um, within the field of biogeometry, again, we uh, measure planes and also subplanes and they're recognized as real electronic layers. And when you get down to the level of crude biology, which is the lowest electronic level that, you know, in the medical world, that's what we predominantly focus on in conventional medicine. Um, you know, also that's the level of consciousness that is we'll say less aware and uh, when you overstay you welcome exclusively on that electronic plane then you can uh, get um, maybe captivated by what Steiner called the eighth sphere and that sort of thing so in order to be co-creators we have to have that uh, you know uh, be in the body but not of it so forth and have the consciousness that can 
um, you know, create that alchemical precipitation that allows us to enter the matrix in the first place. So the subplanes and planes are very important in my work because when I measure a body, uh, depending on what kind of distortions you see in any of those planes, uh, you know, that tells you a great deal about the health of a person and how they got there. And also, I believe being a little microcosmic or a, a resonant fractal of the larger construct, I think that could tell us a lot about, um, you know, how the overall technology works. And one last comment, uh, one with your, uh, you know, speaking on the ley lines, those have very practical significance too, because we also measure those when I'm farming out here. You know, I take great pains not only to create geometry that's going to create favorable resonance to grow things better, but also to uh, make use of uh, certain ley lines and avoid other ley lines, including where you put your house, where you build things, where you grow things. So all of these things are supposed to be common knowledge, I believe, that we're supposed to be actively using. And of course, we're just trying to convince people that they exist in the first place. Exactly, exactly. And that's where the miseducation comes in. We should be taught this as we're growing up. You know, we should be taught um, what energies would be beneficial to us and our crops and our home life. Um, we should also be taught what areas to avoid. You know, like there is that forest in Japan where people actually go there. They seek it out to go commit suicide. To me, that's a place you want to avoid. You know, you don't want to go there. What about that forest is making people go there just to commit suicide? I forget what it's called, but yeah, it, you can look it up, anybody or any viewer. And, um, you know, that there's different frequencies running through different sets of these lines. Yeah. And that's the stuff we should be taught and teaching our children if we if we have the knowledge so that maybe the world can be different when they get older because right now it's it's pretty messed up and we're very miseducated on our history and and anything and they call this pseudoscience but yet it's reality and it, it does affect us so and um you know a lot of the this knowledge of course was known in past times and it's how uh, egyptians achieved mummification by being able to create through their geometry certain types of vertical waves that would have that dehydrating effect. And that's been proven out. And uh, unfortunately, a lot of the Wi-Fi and everything else that we're uh, you know, exposed to these days uh, is in fact creating those noxious uh, uh, short frequency vertical waves, which is why most people are dehydrated these days. So uh, we could really avoid a lot of our health problems and, 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 everything you know that we're experiencing here with this knowledge so yeah I, I agree but of course it's not that we're uh not being exposed to it it's just that we're being deliberately suppressed as far as having access to it yeah definitely so um some of the we've we've touched uh, luminaries we've touched halos uh angels any other uh key terminologies or elements within the construct that you think we should talk about? Uh, I was just going to put a Walter image on, on screen for you to look at. <laughs> mm -hmm. As you said, oh, perfect. That, so, hold on a sec. Mm -hmm. I'll screen share it. Yeah, screen share that. This one here. So you can see what this one here is related to, you know, a live decode. You've seen it in the previous video. Maybe some of you viewers haven't. 
that's probably another good idea as well, guys. Uh, ask, some of the, ask some of the viewers if they've got questions. You know, we do love questions because one day someone's going to ask us a question we can't answer, and then it'll make us find something else that we probably mm -hmm. won't overlook or haven't found yet. But yeah, this image here, you see that one, yeah? Another Walter Russell image. So this is, you know, this is depicting how, how to create and degenerate mass. You can see there is, is mortar type configuration. And what it's doing here, it appears to be bending. Now, what it does is the, the halo, it electromagnetically switches it and it causes the poles to elevate. And the same is taking place below it. So it eventually becomes an electric dipole. Its poles elevate up. I'll let it play because there is an animation that comes with this that I've made for it. So you can see what we are. Walter give you that image. You have no idea what to reference into. Well, now you have. We've put the cause there. The cause of this effect that Walter's explaining is one of these. Electromagnetically switch these to cause the flow inside to accelerate. And then we have a rotating torus field within that halo, which now generates an electromagnetic field, which creates the rainbow. The rainbow is the dark, the dark band, the Alexander band, is the actual projection of the halo 90 degrees in opposition. So this is electromagnetism. The physical halo is magnetic. This is electric. So this is electromagnetism on the creator size scale. This is what we see and call rainbows. So you now you can see what the rainbow is actually part of. It is one of these. And we'll, we'll show you, you know, this is, Walter's image of his elemental chart makeup and you can see, you know, give you an idea now what is creating this and how the spiraling pressure waves taking place in these electromagnetic fields are actually creating elements. And this is, you know, this is where your torus field comes from, cube in the sphere. We're not square in circles, but cube in a sphere. So you can see now what, yeah, we, relate, what we relate the rainbow to. So that's why we want people going out and recording rainbows, because it's showing you the scale of the physical halo below it. And it just does this all day. There's an example here. There's your tree of life. It's a Taurus field. It's, it's this technology. The Taurus field represents this technology. So the Celts knew that's the Celtic tree of life. And there's a double rainbow. And you see what I mean about this dome inside it, this electromagnetic field is this field here that it generates. These are all around us. We live in these fields. We just don't see them and, unless conditions allow, like this one here has, or this one here. So, you know, what we're By the way, your, your animations are absolutely brilliant. So thank you for those. Oh, cheers. It's not just me that does it. You know, everyone does their own bits in this. Uh, I get a lot of help off Sandra. And Sandra's husband, uh, who can't be named, <laughs> but he does a hell of a lot of good work with the animations as well. So, you know, kudos to Sandra and her husband. They do a lot of this type of work for us. Plus, you know, we do our own animations as well. So it is a big team effort. You know, there's, pe there's people helping in the background that do do have input and, and this, that and the other. We're just the guys that present it and explain it, really. Um. You know, quick comment, that one that you had up in the top right corner there with the, the four cubes, um, by way of a Lecker antenna that was developed by an Austrian physicist, uh, one thing I do with bodies is I'll measure uh, the distortions in, in all the different, um, you know, the northwest, uh, east-south polarities. And yeah, that one right up there. 
And um, you know, depending on, uh, you know, if it's distorted in one particular direction, then that has great significance that we've come to understand as far as related to different problems a person might be having, you know, as far as distortions on the emotional plane versus the endocrine system versus, you know, the lymphatic system and so forth. So, uh, and then there's another gentleman, uh, Kerry Reams, uh, where we can extrapolate the same information by way of um, fluid samples in the body and studying the electrical vectors from those, but it all goes back to the same thing as far as those different polarities and the distortions in the toroidal field that, you know, we can now measure and, you know, use in a practical application way. So, uh, sorry, this is a great one too here. What are we looking at? On this animation, uh -huh. right. This Beautiful. this is how this is how the angels create their Taurus field, right? Uh, mm -hmm. I'll just rewind it back a bit and take you through it. Right. So this is actually Adam and Eve. I'll explain that now. Adam is the projected halo. Eve is the physical big one here. Taurus field, and the snake is the ether. How it manipulates the ether, as you see with like water spouts and tornadoes, it manipulates ether. That's the snake. So this is what your creation story is telling you how this technology functions. So Adam and Eve, positive, negative. It's all positive, negatives, masculine, feminine. You know this. This is how it explains it. Yeah, like this one here. Uh, Buddha, you know, you look at the shape of Buddha. I've done an animation there. So you got the snake chasing its tail which you can see is just basically the angel or particle accelerator, as man's now calling them. It's the flow around the halo, and you see how they reverse your left-hand rule, your right-hand rule, the electrical processes and terminology we're looking at. And I morph it here from that design there, which is basically a scarab beetle when you look at it. They're all telling you the same story. It doesn't matter what nation we look at. They're all telling you the same story. They just depict it differently. Now, there's that shape, and look how it morphs perfectly into Buddha with the rainbow around it. The clues have been there forever. Wow. They, just needed, they just needed decoded. You know, the, the, everything needs decoded. And this is what we're good at. We're good at looking at things and saying, yes, this is the this represents this technology. It all, it doesn't matter what side part of the world we look at, the, everyone knew how it worked. And that information has been stolen from us. It's everywhere. Everywhere we look, we see technology now in our research. Down to the basic spiral in the desert. They knew. So this here is how it electromagnetically switches and generates its torus field. So this is what its field looks like when it when it does it. So it elevates its poles to a point of north. It is now an electric dipole, which is generating electricity, harvesting from the ether. It's trapping elements within here. This is where Jason's E equals MC square comes into it. It traps them in this field, the positives and the negatives. You've got one here feeding in from negatives, and this one here feeds positives in. And they're being mixed and revealed in this electromagnetic constraints here until it collapses the field, which is then you would register that would register as lightning, or you know, it's it's now shorted out and harnessed the energy. They're energy harvesting. This is what they do. This is how they manipulate the ether to, you know, get the electricity to power them, the self-powering. Now, obviously, we call it the angelic particle matrix because there's a matrix of them below and they're all interconnected. 
And as we progress through the Operation Rainbow Warrior research, you're going to see them popping up all over the map until you actually get a good representation of where they are and what's going on below us. That's what we're trying to do before they steal them, because that's what they're doing. You'll notice they claim now there's 30,000 particle accelerators in the world. What do you think the magic number is going to be when they stop? 144,000? <laughs> it's a bit obvious what they're doing, isn't it? They're stealing them. They're locating them and stealing them and pretending they built them. This is very serious, very real and very now. So they're imprisoning them? No, these are sealed rooms below, remember, according to scriptures, they were sealed. That's why they're called seals. But I'll let one go into that because uh, all yours one. <laughs> well, I was, I was just going to say, um, so do you, people would like to probably know if this is provable, right? Because, you know, it's, it's a very uh, intense idea and we put a lot of research into it and try to prove it. But so if you were to take an EMF detector and you were to find one of these spots and, and just let's go on the 17 miles wide, like CERN, <clears throat> in theory, you should be able to read the spot. Now, mind you, you would have to probably have more than one person to do these experiments because these are such large areas, but you should be able to read these EMF fields in their circular form at this 17 mile radius. Now, some are six miles that we're finding. Um, some of these rainbows are smaller, but you should be able to get the reads on this information and, and also map these in your particular area using EMF detectors. Not only that, but if it could be done, you should be able to read it on the ground and possibly even map out the cone into the sky using maybe an EMF detector with a drone or a balloon or something like that. Just for people that like to do experiments. <laughs> wow, that is very fun. We want to get involved. We'll get the Alphavedic community involved with the, the rainbow um, um, data collecting and start to wrap our minds around other ways to engage with that scientifically, whether that be introducing elements of um, biogeometry or different ways to measure, uh, meditating into them, who knows, um, basically communicating with them and finding out what they're saying. And of Master, course, uh, what, we, what we can go ahead. Sorry. Sorry, I wasn't sure it was a muted or not. I can't see when I'm screen sharing. <laughs> no, I was just going to comment there. What one said there about detecting them. Yeah, I've, I've got it on good authority that they have been detected. One, someone that works already works with us has um, detected a spike every 13 seconds on a certain meter. So that could represent a spiral, couldn't it? You know, some spiraling rounds going to have a, a time. And now if that time changes, that should be noticeable with the wind. The wind would increase, that time would increase, you know, it'd shorten the time because the spiral's getting faster, isn't it? So there's lots of ways we can look into proving where they are. You know, there's a few ideas from me, one's been talking about ourselves, that we can put things on the ground and they will illuminate at certain times when these become active. You know, this is the kind of things we've been thinking about doing. But the scale of them, you know, you'd probably need a drone to see all the lights and then you get an idea what scale we're looking at on each one but detecting them yeah yeah that's you know that's where we're heading the, the rainbows are a good indicator so if you've got a good idea where the end of the rainbow you know or where the rainbow ends that's a good detector of where the edge of the halo is isn't it where the dark band is is where the halo is 
So that does that does help us now knowing that kind of information. I don't know if you can see this on screen, but this is the Milky Way, how it interacts with our world chakras. Positives, mm. negatives, activating and deactivating important sites below. Interesting. And you have red and so, blue, as Walter Russell talks about, too. And you, of course, have red shift, blue shift, you know, with mainstream cosmology, uh, um, how they try to uh, explain that. But uh, Walter explains it in a much more uh, unique way. Um, but those seem to be two very important colors. Yeah. Yeah, they do indeed. And we're depicting them here as day and night. You know, this is also the dragon that you see depicted everywhere. The dragon is the Milky Way. This is probably what they call Satan, I'm thinking now. You know, that Satan, the dragon, is probably this. And when you look at some of the decodes we've done, like with the, the Voss Rainbow, how we connected St. Michael to spearing the dragon, it's just short-circuiting the Milky Way. You remember, you've got positives and negatives there. You short-circuit the Milky Way, you're going to get alternating current electric. AC, you know, it's AC and DC, day, day voltage, night voltage. That switch I mentioned on the solar panels, there's a definite switch. If you can short them day or night, which is what the angels are doing by short-circuiting them using their torus fields and sending it down these funnels down below, like you see with a water spout, you know, this is this is this technology in motion. This is what it does. This here, you know, this is a solar panel and water pump experiment I did. During the day, it pumps air bubbles into a bucket of water through that pump and that stone. Come nighttime, the flow reversed. It actually tried to push the water along this tube to come, you know, reverse the flow. So there's a switch. It reversed the polarities of this panel at night, a definite switch. And uh, that pyramid decode, the, um, the antennas, as they call them, these here, I think these were in designed to harness these switching because you've got the king the positive above here and the negative below. On the opposite side, the queen actually comes up above the king. So you've got a negative and positive on that side. So to me, that would depict, you know, a way of harnessing day and light activity from the Milky Way, which we now we you know is alternating current and the pyramid being an important site and the uh, world chakra is going to play a big part in it. You know, what's taking place below the pyramid now, the pyramid itself, we've you know, done a decor in this, Walter Russell's mortar again. You see the niches? No different to Walter's mortar. Compression. Fusion. This is what decodes the Kadakias. This is what this represents. It's the floor. You see it? To God. God is light. Electricity. It's showing you how to harness electricity. There's your four stages of it. Mm. Kind of like how our blood works so, with our heart. Which takes you back to that <laughs> takes you back to that movie, doesn't it? Um, Close Encounters of the First Kind. Oh yeah, you see the octaves. <laughs> dirt, 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 dirt. Fusion. Oh, you know, there's octaves. Do, re, mi, fa, sol. Sol is the fusion point. God, creation, light. So easy, isn't it? <laughs> and of course you've got these positive and negatives either side of it that you can harness so you've got some serious energy here at the fusion point and harness points either side in that compression zone working towards it as Walter's Muttle, uh, Walter Russell's motor does here amazing uh, FTV can you go ahead I was just going to say this really is amazing science it's science I've never seen before 
I understand it. It's, it makes perfect sense to me what it's doing. I find it easy to understand, but it's not science I've ever seen before. Well, I think it's all more understandable within a music context. And, and of course, that's how Walter's schematic works. Can you speak at all uh, about the role of inert gases uh, within your construct? We're going to get to them more, I think, as we as we do the layers levels. Uh, you know, we need to go deeper mm -hmm. into where they are in the atmosphere. And one 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 has already done a layers level, which is going to be in the next video. But we can expand on it more at some point. But they, in the meantime, we're just going to show you what, what one's done. But once we've got okay. you know, we've made it, we've made it into a model, so we can add more more to it now. As we as you know, as you explore it more, we can do things with it. So that will be coming up in, a, in one of our next videos. Um, this here, is, you know, this is a continuation of decoding not just the um, pyramid, but the Dendera light bulb, which I decoded as a mercury arc rectifier. It converts AC electric to DC, so then you can, you know, work with it. <laughs> because you know, mm -hmm. what did the ancients do with all this alternating current? Well, they had the Baghdad batteries, didn't they? So they're using a conversion process, which is mercury. It's a, it does a lovely job of converting AC in to DC out, which is perfect for charging your Baghdad batteries. Or, you know, in modern times, we could plug into, plug into that and put a laptop there and run a laptop, couldn't we? Hmm. So this is how the ancients work with electricity, is what it showed us. And not just the Egyptians. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm uh, I'm reading a book right now. I was we're talking about on a pre-chat yesterday. Dolores Cannon, who is um, doing a hypno uh, kind of regression with a person who's um, goes back to being a scene two thousand years ago in uh, kind of their hidden society there, and they talk about having this glass um, uh, glowing. It's a way that they were lighting their community, and he doesn't know how it works, but it, it's similar to that where it just uh, it just naturally lights. And um, it makes sense that that they had that back then, you know, and he says even that we don't know how we have that. It just goes back. It's ancient. We don't know how to build them, but we have them everywhere. Really you fascinating. See, you see the jet there, the jet, as they call it, that shape. Mm -hmm. That's Walter's motor, isn't it? You see it? Mm -hmm. That's just Walter's motor. So they knew how to harness using a design that what Walter's motor uses. That's what that's called. That Antiquitech. Antiquitech. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, well, it's the original tech, isn't it? You know, this is the tech of the realm we're looking at here. This is how the realm really works. So, this here, you know, it's just all this is doing is putting all those positive negatives in with mercury, which does a good job of dividing the positive negatives so you can work with it and generate DC electric or AC. You know, it doesn't have to be DC, it can be AC or DC. If you've got AC equipment, it'll happily run it, wouldn't it? If you've got unlimited energy here, which, you know, which this, this thing also brings us to the Ark of the Covenant. To me now, it's a Mercury Ark rectifier. This is God. God is light. The electrical process involved in the creation of all things. That's what your Bible's teaching you. So this is God here. The creator and God are two separate things. This is God. The creator of this construct created this construct to show us how to work with God, how to manipulate it and use it as electricity. God will work with you, not for you, Walter Russell. So you have to follow certain rules to make to work with God, is what it's basically saying. 
well, we know God is a word that didn't exist in ancient times. It was put into, it was brought into holy books at some point in time. In the ancient times, they called it. You know, there's different names. There's no denying electricity is the creator of all things. Without it, we wouldn't be here. PV, you broke up there. So, yeah, it's uh, always it, been here. It, you broke the up there. This construct is teaching people in their times, it seems, or someone taught them how to work with it and manipulate it and, you know, use it to benefit humanity. That's what it's showing us. Real quick, you broke up there, and I really wanted the, us to hear that because I didn't get to hear. You said in ancient times they didn't have God. What was the, what would right, they say? Yeah. Yeah, in ancient times, you know, you further back you look, you find the word God doesn't suddenly doesn't exist in, in, in history. And it was uh, the closest thing we can find was the quintessence or ether. They were manipulating the ether. So, uh, so the ancients, you know, they might have called them gods. I think the god, the word gods actually relates to the angels and the halos and things. You know, it's a, I'm not saying we were primitive. I think we're more primitive now than we were ever. We've, we've been devolved. We've gone the wrong direction by design, so you never figure any of this out. Because the ancients clearly understood all this. You know, the, the, these depictions and the stories that you read, they, they clearly knew it and understood it and worked with it, is what it's telling us. And I, I think that gods um, had a different connotation than just the, um, you know, what we term as the creator. Yeah. yeah, a good video for people to watch where we kind of went into what the gods and then the creator are is the YHVH video. We tried to articulate where we where we're going with that, you know, and what these mm -hmm. these are telling us these scriptures and and the creation process. Yeah, we, uh, everybody uh, need to go to FPV's uh, YouTube and um, start dissecting these videos if you're new to FPV Angel on YouTube. Uh, those listening here as an audio podcast, you may want to watch this on YouTube. This will also be on Odyssey, uh, and soon we'll be up on Be Sovereign, which is Sayer G's new network, getting that uploaded, which will be nice and eventually cordial, but yeah, you're going to probably want to watch this one um, because there's some great visuals that go along with the audio um, because a lot of people just listen to this podcast, you guys, but um, wow, so much. We've already gone through over two hours here. Uh, Bear and I and know we could go another about five or six and not even scratch the surface. But um, we got to do more of these guys, definitely. And um, these are this is fascinating, fascinating stuff that we really want to dive into more. One, I had one other question because looking at the the Egyptian stuff, you know, I've always been really into researching like the stargates and um, the idea there that uh, U.S. military maybe even was in Iraq and stuff because they were trying to take over the stargates and stop people from accessing those. Have you guys had any? done any research into that kind of technology and what that might be? I would say the stargates we've seen are probably a representation of one of these halos below. You know, when you think of it, stargate, it's, it sounds similar to what's taking place at the East Gates, doesn't it? When you think these, these, these uh, luminaries are being projected from the East Gates across the world. So stargate's probably a good name for it. You know, we wouldn't use it as that because... Stars on our model are actually nodes on a halo. You know, um, hold on, I'll, I'll follow this video. This is our 144,000 video we put out a few months ago. 
and it's got all our latest research in it. Now, stargates to me would represent. Let's have a look. Where's the stars at? Right. I modeled this on what's really taking place with our stars, you know, the, the northern star trails and the southern star trails, as in a large halo operating them and revolving at a speed of 666 revolutions per minute. This is what it produced. It produced this animation which perfectly matches what is taking place with our stars in the north and south, well, east and west as well. It, it, it checks all the boxes, that animation of our, all our star movements. So that would, that would tell me there has to be something, some, you know, these, if you look in old books and scriptures, you, they mention these towers in the north, south, east and west. Well, it probably would be something elevated if we can see the, the northern star, wouldn't it? <coughs> You know, it's going to elevate, it's going to something else, something's elevated somewhere. So that could be part of something that we can't see. Uh, so I suppose you would have to explore it. See, this comes under full exploration. We need people going north to see how far above that, that star is. You know, when it's right above you, what's what's around you? Where are you? <coughs> we can't answer those uh, questions yet. But obviously, you're going to come across these scripturally mentioned gates in the north, south, east, and west. I think that, you know, these are. These would be these locations here. So we need but, some uh, wealthy people that have uh, large airplanes to start uh, helping us and flying out <laughs> and seeing what happens. I would I would actually avoid that because you're probably going to get shot down doing it, and you and they'll just <laughs> and they'll and you'll turn up somewhere else uh, so they don't know even the way you crashed. Maybe uh, uh, no, what, yeah. what we need. I would say the easiest thing to do uh, for exploration of that type of thing would be to send a balloon from New Zealand heading east and live streaming, so we can see exactly what's several thousand miles east of New Zealand. Because I don't think you're going to go in. You're not. You're not going to arrive anywhere in the west. That's for sure. You can see there. Look, the star trails. It it checks all the boxes. This had one animation. So they're doing this kind of movement. Now, when I've done this, I notice what you'll notice with this. It was going that fast. It was actually causing the wagon wheel effect. It's actually going west to east, this, but because it's going so fast, it gives it a reverse kind of image. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing a wagon wheel effect of what these are in the sky. Now, we don't see the halos, remember. We just see, we see the nodes. Now, the nodes are put on here. There's only 64 on here. But if someone could tell me the amount of star trails between Polaris and its southern counterpart, I could put all them on these halos and then double it for the other side, do this animation again. It would pretty much represent what we're seeing in the sky. It doesn't look like any, not much to look at there because, you know, this is the start of that animation. There's more work to do, but it does check all the correct boxes of what we're actually looking at in the sky. The, the constellations would flow the same. Wow. And, you know, this is where sacred geometry comes into it. You see these patterns and designs in churches and everywhere. You know, this is what all this geometry represents, the construct. So, you know, you'll see you'll see parts of the construct getting decoded in our research and telling you what it really represents or, or connects to. Wow. Well, hey, guys, this has been absolutely unbelievable. We're coming up over two hours. We usually go about two hours before people just get overwhelmed and exhausted. So I think it would be good to kind of close out the close out today and have you back. I think Bear is in agreement there. Um, any parting words for our community? And uh, first and foremost, I guess, where can people find your work, each of you? Um, what's the best place? Uh, let them know. And then I'll put it in the show notes as well. So people have a direct link. 
Yeah, our YouTube channels are probably the best place. You know, we're only a little operation, really, and we try to keep on YouTube as it seems to be, you know, the most, the biggest, one of the biggest platforms you can get your hands on. And so far, we haven't been banned or anything yet. <laughs> so we'll keep going. And, you know, we, we have got uh, bit shoots, but I'm finding they're not processing my, some of my videos, which is a bit of a pain, which tells me, you know, they're probably controlled opposition and they're just analyzing what you're putting on there instead of YouTube. Yeah, I'd yeah, like to say know. something about BitChute. People are all like, BitChutes, go to BitChute. I found the same thing. Certain videos will just never process. Um, it is a centralized um, service. They have their own server. Sure, they're, they're, I guess they're all about you know freedom and stuff. But if you go in there, the the consciousness on BitChute just seems to be really dark and kind of, uh, I don't know, aggressive, um, kind of very Alex Jones-ish, you know? And it's <laughs> like... So we don't really post on BitChute anymore. We, we do post on Odyssey. I don't know if you guys have tried out Odyssey. You can actually um, mirror your entire YouTube um, channel with the click of a button right on Odyssey, which is on the library uh, platform, which is using the Bitcoin blockchain. Might be worth, if you guys aren't on there yet, just doing that because at least you're on the, using the Bitcoin blockchain to kind of just in case your YouTube does get taken down. And then once Cordal launches, we'll get, I would love to work with you guys to get um, FPV up on the Cordal. So we'll have a completely, uh, completely decentralized platform that will never be taken down. Um, but yeah, BitChute, um, I get creepy feelings from them too. So yeah. you guys, um, thank you so much. I mean, uh, I know a lot of our audience is uh, <laughs> just trying to wrap their minds around some things here. But I would say to our audience, if any of this is new to you, just uh, it's worth chipping away at. Um, you know, I eagerly anticipate every new uh, video from uh, FPV Angel. And uh, but I'm still trying to get through all the old ones as well. So there's a lot there. And even if you don't get it all at once, things will start making sense. And I think equally as important, a lot of the things we think were truths uh, start making less sense. And, uh, you know, it's really uh, not just fascinating, but I think it has a lot of practical consequences for our life and, and really understanding what's going on on a larger scale with what they're openly calling a reset right now. It goes much deeper than that. And we have a lot more to say about it uh, you know, then we've been led to believe too. So thank you so much, Juan and FPV. And um, boy, I really look forward to uh, seeing you again. You know, we, we kind of went all over the place today and maybe in the future, if it, you know, I know you're extremely busy, but you know, maybe we can start breaking down one subject topic at a time. And so people can, uh, you know, just sort of focus in and digest uh, a concept, uh, yeah, single concepts, but thank you so much again. And, uh, just amazing work. Yeah. Thanks. Bear. Thanks Mike. Yeah. Thank you guys. Yeah. Thanks for letting us on and explain it more. You know, there is, like you say, there is more to explain and maybe, maybe next time, uh, get a hundred questions off some of your viewers, you know, do a hundred questions. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. could, uh, we could definitely preempt that we were getting, there was just such great chatter in the, um, in the comments here and in uh on all all the platforms uh that uh i didn't really want to disrupt the flow and stuff but um yeah we definitely um we're getting some oh some good questions here uh there's a good one here in d live uh, but yeah this, next time maybe we'll preempt that um let people know we can do a q a with you guys because i think that's really good to do and um 
So thanks again. Uh, thanks everybody who showed up today in the chat. Uh, it's great to see it growing and uh, definitely make sure to check out Odyssey too. We had a, uh, 14 people in there currently watching, which is great. I am trying to support that over YouTube and other because that is decentralized uh, to a much bigger you know, degree than uh, even DLive. So um, that's where we want to start focusing our attention, guys, um, because we know that uh, YouTube eventually will probably be off, off there. Um, but uh, that's great. You guys are still up on YouTube. So uh, maybe there are some angelic uh, forces helping us out, huh? <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, guys. Well, thanks again. I hope you enjoyed this talk. If you did, please give us a thumbs up, a like, share this with your friends and family. This is information we need to get out people. Um, this is inspiring because it's re it's really uh, showing us we don't know much, but which is fun. We can be like children with shock and awe at this information and really uh, open up our consciousness to a whole new reality, which is actually very exciting to me because it really is uh, uh, a lot less ominous than what the mainstream's telling us that we're, um, you know, basically a victim of uncontrolled materialistic forces uh, that make us sick and all this. When really we have, a, as Bear was just saying, we have a lot more say. We really do. And at least with this knowledge, we know how to protect ourselves and our family and really uh, explore more. Uh, as, as you were saying, FPV, it's time for us to start exploring um, these ideas more physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. So thanks again. Um, as I, we always end the show, please go ahead, get out there, get your hands dirty, go grow something, uh, go on a hike. Mother Nature is our best instructor. Next week, we have Alana Freeland coming back. Uh, that'll be an amazing talk as she has a new book coming out, breaking down the uh, nanotech matrix of the graphene and all they've been doing with uh, with this new technology and where that's kind of trying to go, which is the counter to everything we've been talking today. So that'll be an interesting counterpoint to, to this week's discussion. Alana is a legend, so that'll be a great chat next week. Thanks, you guys. Uh, have a great weekend. Enjoy your Halloween. Um, I know we'll, we'll be having fun with the kiddos here and we'll see you next week. Cheers.